Well, good morning, Weymouth. Good morning. I get to use the handheld mic today, so here we go. Good morning. Welcome. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here. We're, we're so excited you've joined us this morning. This is a, a great day in the life of our church, a great chance to worship together. Um, as we get started, we'll take a few moments just to quiet our hearts, just in prayer before the Lord. So please bow and just pray in your own heart in silent reflection. The psalmist writes, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. So help us to do that together this morning, Father. Help us to sing to you, to make a joyful noise because you are the rock of our salvation. So remind us of that rock this morning of our, our hope in Christ our imperishable inheritance. Make that clear to us and help us to praise you with a joyful noise in response to your goodness, your grace, your presence with us in and through your Son. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Please stand and sing with us. Sinners with his blood. 
So now uh, we are going to introduce a new song, kind of along the same lines of uh, what we just sang from City of Light, and another song from City of Light, because um, everything that they come out with is just pure gold. So um, this song is called Only a Holy God, um, based off of the title um, and the lyrics. I think it'll be pretty clear what the meaning of this song is. So uh, what we'll do is we'll sing verse one and then, uh, and then the chorus for you, so you can kind of get a, get a feel for how it's sung. And, uh, and then we'll jump back over from the beginning. So. Who else commands all the host of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Only a holy God. Now the chorus. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy forever. But don't be thrown off. We're doing two verses to start and then a chorus. So, um, all right, here we go. Who else commands all the host of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? can whisper and darkness trembles only a holy God what other beauty demands such praises what other splendor outshines the sun what other majesty rules with justice only a holy God. Come and behold Him, the one and the only. 
What other power can raise the dead? What other name remains undefeated? Only a holy God. Come and behold Him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the Could rescue me from my failing. Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him Father? Only a holy God, only my holy have just a, a few announcements this morning to make you aware of as we uh, continue on in worship. You can find some of these in our bulletin. You can also keep an eye on our website, weymouthchurch.com, to keep up with uh, some of these things. Uh, first, we have a, our SAM luncheon, which is our Senior Adult Ministries luncheon. Our next one is going to be on February 8th, uh, so the, the second Thursday of February. Uh, that's just here in the community room that day at noon. That's a great time of, of fellowship and encouragement and food. Um, there's a sign-up sheet at the welcome table. If you're interested in that, you can sign up, and we'll see you on the 8th. Uh, also, we are having an all-nighter for our student ministry, Weymouth students, on February 16th. That's going to be here at the church from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. That's why we call it an all-nighter, right? Uh, so uh, that'll be February 16th. That's going to be a fun time. There's going to be some devotionals, some competitions, some games, uh, some Nerf stuff. It's going to be a good time. So if you're a student, that's for 6th through 12th graders. Uh, we'll be here February 16th. Uh, we also have a new life group launching on February 18th. Uh, it's going to be led by, by Tom Lazio and, and Phil Staff, so we'll have some sign-up information going about, out, about that this week, uh, but that's going to start Sunday, February 18th. It's going to meet on Sundays uh, at 12.30, so we'll pay attention this week for how to sign up and get involved with that. That's coming. And then uh, finally, this morning after the service, we have our annual congregational meeting. This is a time for us as a church family to gather, uh, to celebrate God's faithfulness to us in this past year, uh, but then also to look ahead and prayerfully think together through some ministry goals and objectives for 2024. We'll also be looking at the financial report from the last year as well as the budget for the next year. 
And we'll be asking the members to affirm three different items, the, the 2024 uh, general and missions budgets, uh, the, there's a capital investment for some, some facility improvements, and then uh, three elder candidates. It's our pattern here at Weymouth that uh, we, our elders serve for, for four-year terms, and at the end of that term, they can continue to serve. They just need to be reaffirmed by the members. It's also our pattern that if, if somebody is, is nominated or recognized as a potential elder candidate, that they are also uh, they are, are vetted by our nominating committee. They are vetted by the current elders. And then if both of those groups are in agreement, we present that person to be uh, affirmed at the annual meeting as a new elder. And so this year we have three elder candidates. We have uh, Russ Kinnebrew and Jim Stevens, who are returning elders. They've been serving with us for a while faithfully, um, and their, their terms are up. So we are presenting them to be reaffirmed today. But then we have one uh, first-time elder candidate, and that is Tom Lazio. So Tom, if you want to come on up, uh, we'll just want to introduce you to those that don't know you yet. Mike, can I borrow your uh, microphone? Hey, Mike, can I borrow your mic? That's one of my better ones. You guys should have laughed harder. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. I appreciate that. All right. So, Tom, you are our, our first-time elder candidate here. Uh, so I thought it'd be good just maybe briefly if you could give us a bit uh, about your own testimony and maybe a little bit about your own family. Um, sure. Um, so <clears throat> I've been a Christian now 45 years. <laughs> so I was 21 when I... Uh, accepted the Lord, and uh, uh, it's hard not to get emotional, even after 45 years, you'd think you'd get over that, but it's, it's really hard. But anyway, uh, I was working with a guy uh, 45 years ago, uh, he, he would read his Bible uh, during lunch, we'd eat lunch together, and uh, I didn't know about being born again, I thought uh, that was... A, people that were in some kind of cult or something like that. <laughs> but it's like he showed me right in the Bible in John 3.3. Uh, 3. It's like, wow, that's, that's actually in there. So uh, uh, I went to uh, the Gospel House in Bedford. They had a Thursday night rap. I accepted uh, Jesus uh, then. And uh, it was just a, a real special time. That's so That's awesome. And then a little bit about your family, wife, kids. Where you guys are at? So um, I have two stepsons and a son, my wife Nancy, back there at the, the back row. <laughs> uh, so uh, um, so uh, Nancy and I uh, started uh, dating. Um, she's, she was a widow at the time, <clears throat> and uh, her, uh, her, her, her uh, husband, her ex-husband's cousin, was a new believer. And uh, I had started going to a, a Bible study with, with uh, her, her uh, former husband, Ed, and his cousin, Bob, was a good friend of mine. So the three, you know, the four of us would get together. And uh, Ed was a new believer, so we were trying to help Ed get established in the faith. And uh, he passed away. Um, so uh, I don't think Nancy was a believer yet, so I started taking her and her two sons. They were five and two. Uh, <clears throat> to church. So um, later on, we fell in love. We got married. We had our own son. Uh, so now we have three boys. So amen. Yeah. Praise God. That's awesome. So yeah. So you guys have been been at Weymouth. Uh, how many years now? A couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah. Um, so it's been about two years. Okay. Um, 
we did attend the, the membership class mm -hmm. a couple of years back and we finally became members and yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've been helping out a lot in the church. I've been helping out with uh, the men's breakfast, helping Jim. Mm -hmm. I make the eggs. I, I flip, flip the bacon. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good team over there, man. That's so, awesome. Hello. I've yeah. also been helping with the, uh, the Bueller's Friday morning study. Mm -hmm. So I've yeah, been filling absolutely. in for Kevin, yeah. leading that study also. And... Mm -hmm. uh, Forget what else we do. Yeah. Well, now, now you and Nancy and Phil and Pam are starting up this life group, right? And that's going to meet. Where is that going to be meeting? Well, the plan is to meet uh, Sundays after church. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Either the first and third Sunday of the month or the second. Or the okay. Fourth. Great. So we haven't decided yet. It kind of depends who's going to be in the group. Sure. So we're flexible. We just want to see another group get started here. I think there's a big yeah. need for it here. Absolutely. I think small group ministry is really important in a mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about the book of Acts. How did the church start? In very small groups in houses. And uh, I think it's important. Sorry. Sorry. Got a little jumping bean here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to stand right here, all right? Um, that's, that's awesome. We appreciate you guys taking the step to, to take that on, lead that. That's a great, a great way to help people grow in Christ here. So we're, and we're also really excited that God has brought you forward as an elder candidate. And uh, Tom's gone through the process with the nominating committee who approved him unanimously. He's gone through the process with the, the elder team who <laughs> have, have approved him unanimously. Um, so, so we're grateful that you've, you've taken this step as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, we'll be meeting about 10, 15 minutes after the service. We'll, we, have some for, we have some refreshments that will be provided. I'm going to throw that across the room. Uh, we have some refreshments that will be here. So after the service, you're welcome to go grab some refreshments in the community room, and then we'll meet right back here, and we'll start going over some stuff, and we'll vote to affirm the elders, among other things. Um, but that would be good just to, just to pray. So can I pray for you, Tom? Sure. Can I pray for our meeting here? So let's pray together. Well, Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for how you um, unite us as a church, how you organize us as a church family, and you, you give us elders and shepherds that you uh, have have called to, to serve as your under-shepherds, to serve as your servants and stewards, uh, the, to help care for and, and rule over and, and direct this flock, Lord. So we thank you for our current elders. We thank you for Tom and Nancy, for the ways that you've brought them to yourself, the ways that you've brought them to you, um, and brought them to our church. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to grow them. You'll grow this new life group and uh, men's ministries, women's ministries, same's ministry through them. We thank you for their faithful service. And we just pray that as we go into this meeting after the this, after this service, that you'll, uh, you'll give us a sweet sense of joyfulness and gratitude as we uh, wonder at your faithfulness to us, as we get excited about uh, what's to come. Uh, Lord, just go before that meeting. Let it glorify you and serve your kingdom. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Tom. You can give Mike his uh, mic back. Got it twice. Uh, <laughs> and now I want to invite the, uh, the kids to come on up. So now you sit down when I invite the uh, <laughs> kids to come on up, have a seat. We'll keep going. We'll have our, our kids lesson here. So if you guys want to have a seat on these steps, whoop, I'm going over here today. Whoa, gotcha. <laughs> I'm going to be next to my father. That's cute. All right. So you guys, welcome. Actually, now I'm going to go in the middle again because it's... Uh, it's bothering me. Ha-ha! Tricked you again. All right. We kind of play musical chairs up here, huh? All right. So we are going through the attributes of God together on Sundays, right? We are going through different characteristics about God and, and who he is and what the Bible teaches us about him. Let me see that real quick. Yeah, keep that there. All right. So we have gone through two letters of the alphabet so far. We've gone through the letter A. We've gone through the letter B. And this morning we are going through the third letter of the alphabet, which is 
C, right? C, that's my favorite letter. Does anybody want to guess why that's my favorite letter? Yeah. For Christ. For Christ. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, very, that's very good. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that is exactly what I was thinking. That tells you something about yourself when you hear that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say because it's the first letter in my name, but more importantly, it's the first letter in Christ, which is part of my name, Christopher Christbear. Uh, so it's all, it's all, it's all connected. Um, thank you for that. That's awesome. So tonight we were ta- today we were talking about the letter C, but before we talk about our word, I want to ask you guys, how many of you have ever, you don't, you don't have to say names, but have ever been with a friend, playing with a friend, and maybe you're riding bikes, you're playing on the playground, and that friend uh, like fell down and skinned their knee or hurt themselves and, and cried. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had that experience? Yeah. Or a friend got hurt while you were around? Yeah? How did you feel in that moment when your friend was hurting or crying? Yeah. I'm sad. Sad. You felt sad? Why did you feel sad? I don't know. Did anybody else feel sad when they see your friends get hurt? Right? Yeah, right? That's, that's pretty normal. Hopefully all of you would feel that, right? When your friend gets hurt, you feel a sense of, oh, you feel bad for them. You feel sad for them. You're not happy that they got hurt. You want them to feel better, right? Is that pretty, pretty common? And, and the word that we would use to describe when you feel that is, is a word called compassion. Compassion. To feel compassion is to feel when someone you love, someone you care about is in need when they're hurting, you, your, your love tells you that you want to do something to help them. Because you love them, you want to do something to meet their need, to, to fix them. Yeah, there you go. So C is for compassion. We, when we talk about God's character, you is for unicorns, very nice. Uh, when we talk about God's character, the Bible teaches us that God is compassionate, that God is compassionate, that he sees our weakness, he sees our hurts, he sees our need. And because he loves us, he wants to meet those needs. He wants to fix us. He wants to bind us up and restore us. And, and we see that in places like Psalm 103, where it tells us that the Lord is full of steadfast love and tender compassion. Another word that the Bible uses for compassion is the word mercy. God is merciful towards us. He is tender. He's like a loving father. I miss for mercy. You're getting it, right? He is filled with, with tenderness towards us. He cares about our struggles and our hurts and our pains. There, that's very good. Yeah, that's a different one. But yeah, um, yeah, right. So God is compassionate. He is tender towards us. He's not just a God who's hard-hearted, who's off and who's distant. He's a God who sees our brokenness and our needs and our hurts. And he loves us and wants to do something about it. And that's ultimately why he sent Jesus, his son, to show us his compassion, his steadfast love to mercifully heal and restore us if we have faith in him. So that's our word this week. God is compassionate. He's full of tender mercy towards us. And so we can pray to him, we can trust him, we can thank him for his compassion. So let's do that together today. Well, Father, we thank you that you are a God of compassion, that you are a God abounding in steadfast love and mercy, that your heart is tender towards us, that you see our needs, you see our frailty, our brokenness, and that doesn't lead you to run away from us, it leads you to run to us, to bind us up, to to heal us, to make us new in Christ. So we thank you for how you sent your son, our compassionate shepherd, our savior, to to heal what is broken in us, to die for our sins, and to bring us back to you. Lord, so we thank you for your compassion and your mercy. We pray that you'll help us to praise you and trust you in response in all that we do. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right. You guys can go back with with Ms. Martin and Mrs. Staff and uh, go to Wayne with Kids, and the rest of us will stand and sing another song together. So please stand and sing with us. Thank you. 
grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea. And I am safe on this solid ground. The Lord is my salvation. I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord? of his word when winter fades I know spring will come the Lord is my salvation in times of waiting times of need when I know lost and I am weak
the Lord is our salvation. Amen. Pastor Chris, you mind praying for us? Yeah, you may be seated. One of the, the great privileges we have as a church is, is the opportunity to, to develop and equip and, and send people out and grow people in lots of different kinds of ministry opportunities. Um, and we've, we have a guy with us. Uh, you've already heard from him this morning, uh, our friend AJ Coy, who's our, our worship resident. Really, he's more of a pastoral resident at this point. He, he leads our music team. He leads our, our youth ministry, our student ministry team. And uh, AJ's been with us for about 10 months now. And one of the big uh, purposes he's here is to, to develop and, and test a, a call to pastoral ministry. Uh, if that's something that uh, a, a man feels that God is calling him to do as a church, one of our responsibilities is to help develop and grow that and give him opportunities to, to test that, to try, you know, doing ministry, leading, preaching. Um, and so we're really excited. I'm really excited today because AJ has the chance to, to preach for us out of First Peter. And AJ and I have been, have been working on this text. Uh, he's putting a lot of work in, studying, preparing. We've gone through some things together. We went through some uh, preaching training this past year, doing some different things. So uh, we're really excited about this chance to, to have AJ open up God's word for us. And so I just ask that you, you pray for him as he does so, and then uh, afterwards that you uh, are encouraging. Again, I said last week, this isn't a chance for you to write up your report cards and give AJ his grade afterwards, right? But just as a church family, it's a great joy to be able to encourage a young guy who's, who's growing and developing in a call to ministry. So I'm going to pray for AJ, and then I'll hand it over to him, and we'll see what God has for us in First Peter. So let me pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself in it that through your word we can come to know you in Christ, we can be united together as a church body. And we thank you that you raise up uh, shepherds and elders and pastors and ministry team leaders and Sunday school teachers and servants and, uh, and so many different people who serve in so many different ways, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your people and all the gifts uh, that, that they bring to this place, uh, to this body. We thank you for AJ and for all that you've been doing in his life this past year, the ways you've been growing him, developing him through ministry, through training, through youth group and music and study uh, and prayer. So just ask that you'll help him. You pour out your spirit upon him this morning as he opens your word, as he teaches from it, preaches from it. Uh, Lord, show us clearly who you are. Make, uh, make uh, visible to us in a powerful way the hope that is ours in Christ. May you be glorified through his words and may we be helped and encouraged as we think about this hope. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Pastor Chris. And thank you to all of you for uh, just the encouragement and the prayers. Um, I really do appreciate it. So, um, I mean, that being said, I could not be more excited to, to open God's word with you here this morning. Um, it is an immense privilege and uh, and, and an honor to be able to study God's word and, uh, and discuss it freely and openly. So as we continue to dive into First Peter, let's keep that in mind with thankful hearts. Um, I'd like to begin our time by reading a passage um, that we will be looking at today. So please open up your Bibles to First Peter. Um, we'll be reading from chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. Um, if you do not have a Bible with you, there should be some in the pews in front of you, so feel free to use those and follow along with us. The wording might be a little... Uh, different than the ESV version that we're using, but it, it's all the same truth, so um, keep that in mind. Um, but I, I believe it's important for everyone to have the word open while we're, uh, while we're going through it, um, because how else will you know if what I'm saying is, is the truth? 
how else will be able to hold me accountable for what I say. Uh, we all ought to be engaged and attentive when studying God's word for our own enrichment, but if nothing else, to keep me honest. Um, so let's begin reading here, chapter 1, verse 3, where Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you for, for this wonderful opportunity here to, to speak your word. Lord, I pray that, um, that through your word here this morning, we would um, see people be enriched and, um, and, uh, and that your glory would be shown through this, but also that, that we would see unbelieving people become committed followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray all this in your name. Amen. So I had never been that type of kid that uh, was able to appreciate the beauty of the world. Um, like many boys growing up, I was that dummy that could have cared less about, uh, about nature or art or things like that. But as I grew older and a little more mature, a little, um, both, a person, both as a person and in my faith, I began to appreciate those things much more. During my time at Cedarville, I learned about this concept called natural or general revelation. And all of a sudden, I was getting hit with it everywhere I went. General revelation, as we understand it, is God using his creation to show us who he is. Now, living in a state like Ohio, where we can experience all four seasons and then change brought about with each one, observing how beautiful it was when I finally took a minute to step back and appreciate it um, was something that really helped me see God's creation. Um, I find myself simply now in awe of just his intricate design of the world and, as, and for us as humans as well. Um, so I hope that the beauty of this text will be revealed to you all in a similar way here this morning. Now let's look at the first thing that, uh, that Peter says after his greeting that Chris covered for us last week. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us start a conversation like that? How many of us wake up in the morning and that's our first thought? Or how many of us incorporate some form of adoration into our prayer life? Peter takes the time in his opening to show praise and adoration to our great God, and in doing so also makes it clear that he is the subject of what Peter is teaching in his letter to those in Asia Minor and beyond. Many of us, myself included, um, do not give our great God the praise and adoration that he is so worthy of. 
And that's why I'm a big fan of the example that Peter sets for us here in the same way that the Acts prayer model starts with the adoration of God for his character. Peter opens with, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he doesn't just stop there. I love how we can see that there's a clear progression through these verses. Look, look at this along with me. According to his great mercy, according to whose great mercy? Well, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Well, how has he done this? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Back to the living hope now. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Where is this inheritance? Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. Guarded? How? Through faith. To what end? For salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This section flows so naturally and leads into the next thought so well. Um, it stays with the main emphasis while also enhancing the reader's understanding of it by describing it in detail and highlighting how important it is. This main emphasis being the living hope that we have in Christ's resurrection. It's worth remembering again who Peter is writing to. He's writing to believers, people who have already professed faith. When he says he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, he's referring to believers. Peter is very intentional about including the means by which God has provided us this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is essential to include in any presentation of the gospel and it's foundational to what we believe as Christians. Without Christ's resurrection, the living hope that Peter speaks of ceases to exist. When it comes to Christmas and Easter, it seems as, as if Christ, Christmas is a much bigger deal in our culture today comparatively. This is most likely due to how commercialized it's become and, um, and as a result, the miracle and the message of Christmas uh, and, and what it is meant to be a celebration of has been overshadowed by this secularized holiday. Um, and even more so, e Easter has been overshadowed by Christmas. Now, while the birth of Jesus is not something to just shrug off, it ultimately points to the whole purpose for Christ coming down to us in the first place. His death and resurrection, paying the cost for our sins and redeeming us in the eyes of the Father. Because of this work, we as believers are born again. Now, where else have we seen these words? Tom kind of spoiled it for us a little bit. Um, in, in John 3, um, where Jesus is talking with a Pharisee, who is someone that would know quite a bit about Old Testament scriptures. He would know them inside and out. Um, and this man's name was Nicodemus. Um, so if you'd like to turn there with me, um, John chapter 3, and we will be starting in verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, and when Jesus says something like this, it, it always signifies that whatever follows is very important. So that's his call to be, be attentive um, and listen to what he has to say carefully. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is obviously uh, confused by this statement, and naturally his response has a very worldly perspective. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? To which Jesus provides him with a perspective that holds greater meaning for his soul. Truly, truly, I say to you, there it is again, uh, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit 
is spirit. Now, Dr. Andreas J. Kustenberger of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary provides some clarity on this passage, saying that the phrase born of the water and the spirit refers to spiritual birth, which cleanses us from sin and brings spiritual transformation and renewal. Being born again leads to a new life, and that's what, what is meant when we say that we are in Christ. Back into 1 Peter, uh, verse 4. Uh, turn back there with me as I find it. You would think I would have that bookmarked by now, but uh, here we go, we're learning. Verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. The living hope that's mentioned in verse 3 is now described as an inheritance, personified in three different ways, all pointing towards its eternal implications. The hope of an inheritance has been promised to God's people since the days of Abraham and had been reaffirmed throughout Scripture. As noted in Psalm 105, where the psalm writer writes, He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. An inheritance was something that you look forward to as you live your life. And the inheritance spoken of in the Old Testament was typically described as the promised land. Um, but Peter, Peter now points us to a greater inheritance, secured in heaven for God's people forever. We touched on earlier how this inheritance of a living hope is kept secure for us. Um, well, the text tells us right there in verse 5, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We will get to that salvation in a little bit, but it has strong ties to our living hope, but not without what holds it all together, which is faith. Now, verse 6 tells us that because we have this saving faith, we rejoice. Now, we all find it easy to be happy and to rejoice when, when things are going good, and, um, uh, but that does not seem to be the case for Peter's audience here. In fact, as we read on, we see it's quite the opposite. He says, you have been grieved by various trials. These people have clearly been going through some suffering and persecution. And Chris taught us last week that these people are exiles, um, not in the sense that they've been thrown out of their countries, but um, Peter makes it clear here that they have been exiled by culture, by society, by the world because of their faith. Peter here states that these trials are not a reason to be sad, but to rejoice and refine their faith. Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A genuine faith is more precious than gold, the very representation of wealth and prosperity. We sang about this last Sunday in, uh, in How Firm a Foundation, where John Rapone writes, when through fiery trials thy pathways shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flames shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. This verse is quite obviously taken from First Peter here, uh, specifically verses 6 and 7. Uh, we can trust in the grace that God gives when going through trials of any kind because it is sufficient now, the second half of this verse is comparing the process by which gold is refined to our own spiritual refinement from those trials. The process 
uses super hot fire to separate and melt away any impurities in the gold. And the, those impurities are, are what the dross is. That was a word that always kind of confused me singing that song growing up. Like, what in the world is dross? Well, that is the impurities that are, that are taken away when, you are, uh, when you're melting gold. And the result is a more pure substance. And for us, it's a, a more refined faith. And what does this faith produce? Well, joy. Not just reserved for when Jesus is, is clearly seen at his return, but now, right now. Let's continue on and see what this looks like. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Peter gives us an excellent example of, of what faith looks like and the product of that faith. The way it's presented in this passage looks like what is called a positive feedback loop. And now a positive feedback loop is where the changes are amplified rather than reversed. So an example of this in the medical field is blood clotting. So when, you, when your body gets a cut or a scrape, the body rushes to the rescue. It, um, chemicals are released, attracting platelets to the site, which in turn releases more chemicals, calling for more platelets until the wound is patched. Now, first off, what an incredible design that only our, our omniscient creator could have come up with. And when I talk about um, learning, how learning about the human body has opened my eyes to see how great our God is, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And also, like, what an amazing analogy it is for, um, for these verses here in First Peter. Because of our faith, we have a living hope in Christ that helps us through trials. Because we have Christ as our hope, our faith is strengthened as a result of those trials, which in turn increases our hope for salvation. All of this pointing to, towards what we come to in verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This certainly makes our faith and what comes along with it so valuable, so beautiful, so precious. Now, uh, when we think of the word precious, immediately we go to Lord of the Rings um, and Gollum, and I'm not going to do the voice, but um, he goes on and on about his precious. And why? Because that's the, mo that's the most valuable thing to him. So if our faith is just as valuable to us, what's stopping us from going on and on about it? Not just within the safety of our church walls, but out there in the world, because our faith, our salvation, isn't some ring that can be destroyed by tossing in a volcano. It says here, it is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. The salvation is eternal. Now this may go without saying, but eternity isn't just from now on. It includes both past and present as well. Now take note of the three times salvation is mentioned in the passage, the first of which being um, verse 5. It's referring to a salvation that is to come. It is ready to be revealed in the last time, in the future, when Jesus returns. This is not only guaranteed to us as believers, but again is being kept, guarded by God, sustaining our faith. In this future salvation, God will not only deliver us from our enemies, but from our sins, forever, period. Now look ahead to verse 9, um, which is spoken in the present tense. Because of the trials we are facing, because of the joy we are finding in our faith, we are obtaining the outcome of that faith, the salvation of our souls. We are living in a salvation that is not only guaranteed, but happening right now. Now verses 10 and 12, sorry, 10 through 12, open up this salvation to the past and how it's been promised for generations, even before Peter's time. Isaiah 52 and 53 depict exactly 
what is being described here about Jesus. Let's turn there and see what the prophet Isaiah has to say about Jesus. We'll be in Isaiah 52, starting in verse 13. And as I'm reading this for us, um, I want you all to take note of um, how much of this passage lines up with the life that Jesus lived and, and how much of it doesn't. So here we go. Um, Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, is, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. As for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By, now, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will dis divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Well, did you notice anything that was off? Anything that, that didn't line up with, with Jesus' life? You shouldn't. All this was perfectly fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Now, if that's not evidence towards our promised salvation, I don't know what is. If you look at the world around you, it doesn't take long to see how hopelessly lost in sin it is. The church was persecuted in Peter's day, and it very clearly is still being persecuted today. So how has it stood the test of time, despite being under such heavy persecution throughout? Well, the answer is because faithful believers have clung to this hope that God has provided for us through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Now turn, turn with me to 1 Corinthians um, to, uh, to 
perhaps a familiar passage, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, just one verse here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. This is, um, this is the Apostle Paul reminding the church in Corinth of the importance of the gospel. Um, and he says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Well, praise God that none of this is in vain, because Jesus lives. By bearing our iniquities, we have a living hope to be counted as righteous in the eyes of God through Jesus, who is interceding for us until he returns to be glorified forever and ever. Now, if you do not have this, this precious faith, then I would encourage you not to leave here today without talking to Pastor Chris or one of the elders, Tom being one of them as, we, as we're looking to affirm him today. Um, you have all afternoon through this, through this meeting, um, so I would encourage you, if, if this is weighing on your heart, don't leave here today without talking to somebody um, and, and seeking this, this precious faith that we have. Um, because our, our precious faith in Christ brings us into this living hope for an eternal salvation. I'll say that one more time. Our precious faith in Christ brings us into this living hope for an eternal salvation. Amen. Pastor Chris, can you come pray for us, please? Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this living hope, this precious faith, this eternal salvation. We thank you for uh, all that you've done for us in and through Christ to, uh, to cover over our sin, to, to, to bring us from death to life, to, uh, to, to bury our sin and, and bring us new birth in Christ. We thank you for, uh, for how you've made that clear throughout your word, from the book of Isaiah to the book of First Peter and beyond, on all of Scripture, where we can look and see this hope that holds us fast, this hope that we can stand firm in, in, in the face of our own sin and failure, in the face of persecution and hostility. So lead us to, to, to trust in this living hope, to have faith if we don't, and also lead us to, to walk in this hope, even in the midst of the challenges and hardship of the world. Hold us fast in Christ our living hope, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, please stand and sing one more song with us. It wasn't painfully obvious. This is the song that we're going to be singing.
such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope hallelujah praise the one who set me free lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to silence the roaring lion declare the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declare the grave has no claim on me jesus yours is the victory hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope jesus christ my living hope oh god you are my living
Spirit, three in one. As He has been, so He shall be. Thank you, AJ, for opening up the word and pulling double duty this morning with music. That's setting a very uh, high bar to meet here. Uh, that's, that's a bad precedent for me because uh, <laughs> I do not play guitar. All right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and thank you all for being here. Uh, as we go, we'll close with a, a word of benediction. Before that, just a reminder that uh, about 10 minutes after the service, we'll be back in here for our congregational meeting. That's, that's a vital time together as a church family, so we invite you, whether you're a member, an attender, whether this is your first Sunday with us, we invite you to stick around for that, grab some refreshments, come back in here. Uh, but as we go, uh, let's hear this word of benediction Page uh, from Romans 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. Go in peace.